It's on. Oh, Chris, once again on the solo episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it coming back. It's the Covert Show, and we are back for another episode. Nick is going solo this week. JC ended up going to St. Louis, having some trouble with the phones. We wish he could be here at this moment. We are texting him in the middle of this, also trying to get some NFL insight. But we got some college football. We got some NFL talk. And we are going to break it down for you guys today. It was an exciting weekend. And by exciting, I mean just extravagant when it came to this Labor Day weekend and it came to college football in general. We'll start there because it's it's the newest that we got on the books today. We got a hazy IPA from the good old Bear Hug variety pack as well. So we're sipping on one of those as we go over some football talking it all out today. And so we'll start, we'll throw it all the way back. I mean, I guess we'll go Thursday at the latest. I mean, Thursday was where it all started out. You had Oklahoma State, Central Michigan. The Cowboys and Mike Gundy decided, you know what, we're not going to have a repeat of Central Michigan a couple of years ago where the referees screwed up the play call and decided to give Central Michigan an untimed down. The Cowboys decided to go up with 54, or 58 points excuse me, and just absolutely throttle in Central Michigan. The Chippewas ended up only getting 54, so a final was 58-44. to 44. Oklahoma State almost choked it at the end of the game. But Mike Gundy and the Cowboys looking to try to gun for that top Big 12 spot this year. They're ranked 12th in the country. We're going to throw it to probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest games this season, or so far this season, but the biggest game this week. The backyard brawl finally happened, and it, it was one of the first times, I believe, in almost two decades that the backyard brawl happened. And I mean, Pitt and West Virginia did not, did not skimp on any detail of this brawl. I mean, they were just absolutely throwing punches back and forth. I was watching this game on, th- on Thursday, and Pitt's defense, I'll tell you this right now, Pitt without Kenny Pickett, still pretty much they're close to the same team. I mean, they're still doing the same things that they did offensively. They're still running a good run. They Their pass game is pretty good still. They got a good quarterback that came in, but West Virginia's offense was going to be one of the struggles because JT Daniels was going to be that guy that says, all right, we're going to put it on our back. He did the whole meme of the uh, Russell Wilson, Bronco country, let's ride. It was like Mountaineer country, let's ride. But you know what? He came in. He actually played pretty well, pretty well also, but Caden Slovens, the new quarterback for Pitt, he put them on their back and said, you know what, we're going to go with this. He had 308 yards. He had one touchdown in the week. Pitt ends up winning this game on, and I will say it, and it's going to hurt my heart to say it, but a Nebraska-esque pick six at the end of the game. Uh, JT Daniels throws the ball out to the hash mark, just across midfield. It tips through the West Virginia wide receiver's hands, picked off, and then ran all the way back. That was the seal of the deal, but this was how the game went from what I watched and I pretty much watched the entire game while I was sitting there because we were going to record uh on Thursday night we ended up getting a little bit of schedule conflicts and so we decided to to wait it out and so as I was watching this game Pitt gets three in the first seven in the second so they scored a touchdown in the second quarter West Virginia gets 10 full points ties it up going into halftime uh Pitt ends up getting 14 in the, er, in the third quarter West Virginia gets seven Finally, it was 14-14 in the fourth, 38-31 your final. But, I mean, it was just a grudge match here nor there. Bunch of big turnovers. There was at one point where I texted JC and I said, dude, they have turned the ball over two times in 30 seconds on the span of fumbles. 
And, I mean, it was just that. It was that good of a game to where defenses were playing lights out. I mean, it was just a pound-for-pound a heavyweight match. West Virginia in the Big 12 is going to be one of those teams that you absolutely have to watch. And it should be interesting to see how the Big 12 plays out because there's a couple of teams this year that are going to be hit or miss. Texas, they've got a brand-new quarterback. Steve Sarkeesian's still in, uh, coming into his second year. They've got Alabama next week. They beat Louisiana Monroe very, very handily this week, and everybody was going to say, okay, if Texas doesn't do that, then Alabama next week is going to be just one of those clusters. Well, it's still going to be a cluster because it's Bama. Bama ended up beating Utah State on Saturday, which was yesterday – or Saturday, I should say, on September 3rd, 55-0. And Chase Young still looking absolutely fly as always. Mm, excuse me, had to get a little bit of a sip there. I've been talking for a little bit. On Friday night, we'll hop into that. Old Dominion ends up upsetting Virginia Tech. They get a block punt to score, and then they get a rushing touchdown at the end of the game within 40 seconds to beat the Hokies, and they took game one. So Old Dominion 20-17 to 17 over Virginia Tech. Western Michigan ends up falling to Michigan State 35-13. to 13. Kansas gets a huge win over Tennessee Tech, and I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Kansas offense score this much. I'm going to go with my life. Honestly, I can't remember the last time Kansas scored this much because one of their last teams that went to the Orange Bowl or at least almost the national title, I believe, was at four. But Kansas, anyways, Jayhawks end up getting 56 points. They beat Tennessee Tech 56-10. TCU holds off Colorado 38-13. to And in some Big Ten matchups, Illinois falls 20-23 to against Indiana. Indiana gets a last-second run late, and that was how they ended up sealing the deal. We'll throw it back to Saturday. Like I said, number one team in the country, Alabama. They hosted Utah State. Utah State without Jordan Love. Yeah, well, when you come into Alabama, even with Jordan Love, you might get curb stomped, and that's exactly what Nick Saban's Crimson Tide did. They've still got a great wide receiving core. Chase Young still leading that offense, and, I mean, 55 to zip. 55 to zip. What are you going to do? We'll save a couple of these big games for the end, but I want to kind of dive into a little bit of it, uh, the other ones we talked about on the good old Instagram story. So we'll start with Utah, Florida. Utah, the seventh-ranked team of the country, ends up going to Gainesville. And this was a lot closer game than I think a lot of experts expected. And this was just a closer game than I think a lot of people also expected because you take a look at Utah and you take a look at the Pac-12. In the college football playoff, they are not represented well, I would say much at all. I mean, they've got a few teams here or there that could be. Oregon has has been rifling through it. They ended up making a national championship run a few years back when Cam Newton was still at Auburn. I mean, they, they've got a couple of good teams that hop in and out. When they had Justin Herbert, they were still good. Ended up making a Rose Bowl or two. Now when you actually take a look at it, the Pac-12 doesn't have a lot. And Utah and Oregon have been consistent. I mean, Utah has been one of those teams that has been able to bounce back and forth. The last two years, they've been top. 15 top 10 team but they've just fallen short and I think that's the one thing that everybody looks at the Pac-12 is they're the one power five team or power five conference excuse me that just drops off that map I don't know how we don't know why but it's just that west coast offense does not seem to do good when you actually flip it over and you play SEC teams however going to the Florida game that's that, that was not the point I mean, Florida ended up only winning that game 29-26. to 26. From what I saw from the highlights, I mean, it, w it was a good game. I mean, it was a grudge match. Richardson was probably one of those guys uh, for Florida that is going to be absolutely insane. New quarterback on the scene. But rising for Utah, he went 22 of 32. He had 216 yards, one touchdown. He threw one pick. That was crucial. And then both rushing, rushing games were insane. 
I mean, you had Thompson for you or Thomas for Utah, 23 carries, 115 yards. Richardson on the ground as a QB. He had 11 carries for 106 yards. He had three rushing touchdowns, and that's the biggest thing. Can Utah stop the run? And I think the I think the SEC model of the run is completely different. They have a lot more option reads. You're able to kind of spread out the offense with as much patching as you do. The Pac-12 they pass a crap ton. And I'll say it like the Big 12. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 pass the most out of any conference. I mean, it is huge. The biggest thing is the secondary in the Pac-12 is a little bit better than the secondary in the Big 12. So, but that's how that game ended up. Utah is still looking for one of those teams to be the Pac-12 uprising, potentially be a playoff team kind of later down the road. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of their season ends up with their Pac-12 schedule. Other big games kind of coming through. Baylor was able to beat Albany 69-10. Oklahoma beats UTEP 45-13. This is their first season without Lincoln Riley, who went to USC. We'll drop down to that USC game real quick as well. USC did end up winning that, if I can find it here. Holy cow, there were so many games yesterday. I mean, it's crazy. It's a big thing. College football's back. We'll hop into that in a second if we can find it as we're kind of going down the road. Anyways, though, USC ended up winning that game. And they're ranked a lot higher than everybody thought they should be just because they got that Lincoln-Riley pickup. Nonetheless, they still return a decent team. So we'll throw it to one of the other games I was talking about on the good old Instagram story. Arkansas Razorbacks. I mean, they come out. They're one of the teams in the SEC that's supposed to be a potential upset team and one of the biggest dark horses in the SEC schedule. And, I mean, they, they played like it. And this is a Cincinnati team that they ended up hosting in Arkansas in Fayetteville, that that was uh, without Desmond Ritter, it was going to be interesting to see. Well, Bryant, the new quarterback for Cincinnati, he ends up coming up big, twenty six of forty three, three hundred and twenty five yards, two touchdowns, and he had one interception at the end of the game. Jefferson for Arkansas had eighteen or eighteen for twenty six, two hundred and twenty three yards, three touchdowns through the air. I mean, dude was going nuts. Arkansas ends up winning this game 31-24, to and this was one of the games that I wanted to watch, and this is why. Because I've talked about it as I take a sip here. Hmm. If you're a fan of IPA beers, these hazies are fantastic. I mean, they're nuts. But Hazy IPA from Goose Island, they're the Bear Hug brand. As I hop into college football once again here, Arkansas was one of those teams, like I said, supposed to be the Dark Horse team. Cincinnati was the team that nobody expected to be in the college football playoff last year. They were undefeated, came into the college football playoff, had Alabama. Everybody's like, all right, well, this is why a non-Power 5 just does not deserve to be here. False. Cincinnati proved their worth. Cincinnati proved that any non-Power 5 is still able to do what any Power 5 can do, and that's hold Alabama to a decent game if they try. And now Ben Bryant and the Cincinnati Bearcats decide to hold another SEC opponent to less than seven po- or from seven points or less on a victory margin. 31-24. Cincinnati's defense held as best they can. Their offense was still good. This one shows the fact that yes, power five team or non-power five teams are not able to always push past and and beat. That's fine. This is more of a standpoint of can they hang, and I am 100% on the fact of yes, they can hang. Teams that are non-Power 5 should be trying to play SEC teams, whether they're ranked or not. They should be playing Big 10 teams, whether they're ranked or not. They should be playing ACC, Big 12, any team that is a Power 5 that isn't playing a non-Power 5. I love it opening week. 
and I love it, especially if they did good last year and they're still good consistently this year. And I think Cincinnati is still going to win the American. I think Cincinnati is still going to be on a run. I think that Ben Bryan is going to be one of those guys that is able to consistently um, spew. Um, oh, my gosh. Who? Oh, I just lost that. I was on such a good train of thought. Cincinnati's quarterback from last year. Gosh, I can't remember it. I've said it twice now. Um, but trying to get Desmond Ritter. Thank you. Desmond Ritter, as I say thank you to, there's nobody else in the room except for my girlfriend's dog who is laying under my desk at the moment. And she's a little fluff ball. Hi, Lucy. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast. But so as of Spencer Rattler, um, Desmond Ritter's first year without it, I think Cincinnati is still fine. I think that they can do the same amount that they did last year. Granted, the damage might not be the same since they've already lost one game, but they still held Arkansas to less or to seven points or less, and I think that's huge on the victory margin. Uh, other crucial games, uh, USC, or not USC, Houston and BYU both had games. Those are three opponents that are supposed to move to the Big 12. Here's one of the games that I want to talk about before moving into the Big 2 that I really broke down. Iowa. Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. I can't really say this much as a Nebraska fan, but boy, what the hell were you doing? Oh, my goodness. So here here was the deal. I broke it down on the Instagram. I heard it on College Game Day. I've been hearing it all week from everybody that says there's going to be one FSC or FCS team that pulls out and decides to say, you know what, we're going to upset somebody. They do it every year in week one, almost, it seems like. I mean, the, F- the FCS is one of those uh, – is just the the teams come out, and it's probably the best in the FCS, which South Dakota State was. They were ranked second in the country in the FCS. They come in, and they go to Iowa City, and they just decide to say, you know what, we're going to play defense. And you know what? Iowa decides to say, we're not going to play offense. This led to probably one of the most boring college football games, but one of the funniest, in my opinion, because of the fact that Iowa did not score a touchdown. But the Iowa Hawkeyes won 7-3. to three. I'm going to let this sink in before I actually do the math for you. The Iowa Hawkeyes won a football game by not scoring a touchdown, but still won 7-3. to three. The math is really easy, but I just wanted it to sink in just because it's funny as shit. The Iowa Hawkeyes ended up getting two safeties and a field goal just to beat South Dakota State Jackrabbits 7-3. Granted, like I said, South Dakota State is the second team in FCS this year, ranked top 10. Everybody thought it was going to be Nebraska that was going to fall to an FCS team. And you know what? They almost did. They almost did, and it almost broke my heart because I'm sitting there watching and listening to this game and thinking, well, we're going to struggle. Well, we did. But you know what? We still won this game. And we won it by a little bit bigger margin than Iowa, so I can at least attest to that. And I'll talk about a little bit Nebraska here, too, because I, I would I would like to. Even though JC's not here, I would still like to, and I'm not going to be biased. I'm going to defend my point. I'm going to defend everybody else's point on the fact that we still suck. But, so Iowa ends up winning 7-3. to For all you Iowa State fans out there, 42-10 to over Southeast Missouri State. We'll throw it to probably one of the biggest games that I touched on. Two of, actually. We'll start with... A sip really quick so I can keep getting through this conversation without dry mouth. We'll start with one of the games that honestly disappointed me. But at the same time, if it was going to be a blowout, it was probably going to be this game. Oregon goes into Athens. And the Ducks, ranked at 11, go in to the defending national champion, 
Georgia Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart, number three in the country, should definitively be number one. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect, mostly because I need to think of a new thing to say about this before I just absolutely go off the rails. But I'm going to go off the rails anyways. Georgia should definitively be the number one team in the country. I get Alabama year in, year out. They got Chase Young, former Heisman winner. They got Nick Saban. They are probably the best team in the country at the moment. Judging off last year's standards, no, they are freaking not. It is absolute bullshit that Alabama deserves to be number one when they did not win a national title. Saban's been just crying about the fact that he thinks that they should be sitting on a rebuilding year from last year. What are you doing? Talk to me about this. What are you doing? Kirby Smart still returns pretty much the same team as he did last year. Georgia has Stetson Bennett, who did not outperform any, or did not just show signs of slowing down. 368 total passing yards on the day, by the way. Georgia ends up absolutely stomping Oregon, who still has a very good offense coming into this year, but Georgia's defense is still one of the best in the country. And you can tell me that I'm wrong. You can tell me it's going to be just an absolute dogfight coming out. Ha, 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 dogfight. And this is the thing. This is the one thing. Alabama doesn't play Georgia this year until the conference championship. And I will say that with full-hearted respect, until the conference championship. And here is how this SEC East breaks down. I'm going to go with Georgia's going to outright just pound it. Georgia takes it all. I'm probably going to go with Kentucky or Florida takes that number two spot and those two flip-flop. On the other side, I would really, 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 really love this. Arkansas is the dark horse that wins the SEC West. Is it going to happen? Probably not. Alabama will probably win the SEC West. In a perfect world that I have it, here is how it goes, because I would love it. Arkansas wins the SEC West. Texas A&M is number two. Alabama is sitting there at number three, and Ole Miss is barking at their heels at number four because Ole Miss, and this is the one thing, they do not have Corral as a quarterback, but they still have the Landshark defense. I don't think Auburn is going to be relevant this year. Mississippi State, down. LSU, they have Florida State tonight, which we are recording on September 4th. I'm still going to watch that game, but here's the thing. If in a perfect world, Arkansas wins the West, Texas A&M is second, those are the only two teams that Alabama loses to, and they do not hold or choke that lead. Now, in the college football playoff world, because this is what happens, Alabama holds, they win it all in the SEC West. They go to the SEC Championship versus Georgia. In the SEC West, as those standings stand after that, Alabama, Arkansas, and m I feel that Texas A&M is still a very good team, but I still, I'm very, very high on Arkansas this year. But as we go through... And bounce it back. Georgia absolutely pounds Oregon and shows why they should still be the number two team in, or the number one team in the country. We'll throw it to the number two team in the country. And I said it on the last podcast that I went solo. And I'll say it all the time because here is where fans get upset about everything. Non-power five teams say that they go undefeated. They deserve to be in the college football playoff. Which yes, you go un- undefeated through a season. I'll say it like this, whether or not you are playing in a Power 5 or non-Power 5, I think it is still insanely impressive that you go undefeated. I think that you should be playing for a massive bowl game. I think that you should just be playing for an outright to say, we're going to kick the living crap out of you. If you beat us, fine. 
but we went undefeated, something went right, or somebody did something wrong, and we got lucky, whatever. I don't care. Am I tired of Alabama doing it for the last two decades? Oh, absolutely. Is it going to change the fact of anything? Hell no. No, 100% not. Nick Saban is going to still be the same coach that that has a team that goes unbeaten pretty much almost every year that he coaches there. And if they lose, they lose. So here's the thing. Notre Dame fans, to me, are one of the most annoying fans in sports just because, man, I, I'm really sorry. Actually, no, Yankees fans are. But sometimes you guys fall hand in hand. So. But Notre Dame fans are slightly annoying and honestly almost very annoying on the fact that you think that because you have the luck of the Irish on the football field, it just needs to be handed to you. And you think that because you do not live in a conference, you are independent, you play teams, and sometimes you get sometimes you get beat, but you still have good seasons and you still outscore a lot of opponents that you deserve to, oh my lord, my laptop is having a seizure as I'm trying to do this. What the hell? Oh boy, I gotta go back. So you think that you deserve a chance to be, ooh, excuse me, that you deserve to be in that college football playoff spot, that you deserve that chance to be there, play Ohio State, play Alabama, play everybody. Here's the here's the main fact of it. As soon as you guys think that, yeah, we deserve to be there, and as soon as you guys get there, as a Notre Dame team, statistically, oh, gone. Bye. See ya. I mean, you get boat raced. Notre Dame doesn't stand a chance. You end up, you come out strong in the first quarter. You score one touchdown. Your defense makes a couple of good stops. Fine. More power to you. This year, you did not have Brian Kelly. This year, you have a brand new head coach and a brand new offensive system. Brian Kelly is now at LSU who is playing tonight. How are you going to deal with actually scheduling an opponent within the first five games? Because here's, here's where I break it down. Notre Dame, last season, and everybody knows where I'm going with this, hopefully. Notre Dame last season, Florida State 41-38 to in overtime. Florida State on last season's schedule, and this is going to take a lot of clicking back, so bear with me, everybody, because I want to I want to do this right. Florida State last year in their first five games, 0 for 5, or first four games, 0 for 4. Louisville, Wake Forest, Jacksonville State, Notre Dame, loss. Notre Dame last year was ranked ninth in the country. They beat Duque- or beat Duquesne. This year, I think that's how you pronounce it. Somebody else on TikTok said it was some other team, and I don't know. Beat Toledo last year, game number two, 32 to 29. So that's that's a three point margin there. Toledo, last season, like I said, a lot of clicking. Bear with me. I don't have a lot of these pulled up. Toledo last season finished with a seven and six schedule in their first four games. They went two and two. Ball State, Colorado State, Notre Dame ranked. And then ended up falling off. Seven and six overall on a game. Purdue, twenty-three to thirteen. Purdue last year, middle of the road in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, ranked eighteenth. You ended up starting four and zero against one ranked opponent, and then you know who you lost to. Do you know? Because this is where I love how. Irony takes over. You lost to Cincinnati, who you lost 24-13. to The only team that you blew out was Wisconsin, 41-13. to Every other score margin was 7 or less. And you know what you lost by? 7 or less. 
and then you go through the rest of the Notre Dame schedule. You get to the Fiesta Bowl, you lose to Oklahoma, and you lose 37-35. to 35. New Year's Six Bowls for Notre Dame are not there. They have not been for a while. I am really sorry. But you know what? You decided to try to pull yourself away from that old standard. You tried to pull yourself away and just get there. And you know what? You did. You scheduled Ohio State, the number two team in the country, who honestly, argumentatively, with the offense that they returned, has, especially the wide receiving court, because good Lord. Whew, that, oh, that C.J. Stroud is just, and Trayvon Henderson rushing. You've got a, a Jigbo who is just, oh, my gosh. I mean, you, you take a look at this just Ohio State team. Ryan Day has it, has it built. He has a team that could potentially win the national title this year. And as a as a Husker fan and as a Big Ten fan, this scares me because I don't want to play him. Thank God we don't. Notre Dame decides to. 21 to 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a round of applause. 21 to 10. You decide to show up and say, okay, this is what we're going to do with this offense. And you have a new coach. You have a brand new coach on the year. Brian Kelly out. Notre Dame's defense. It was ugly. The whole entire game was ugly. I mean, I watched some highlights of this. I've watched a little bit of the game. It, it was just, it was tough. I mean, it was a all-out brawl. I mean, Ohio State didn't play their best. Notre Dame just decided to come up and say, and I can't say decided to. Notre Dame played very well. It just did not go in Notre Dame's favor, and that's sad. Because I would have loved, even though I, I dislike both teams. I'm not an Irish fan. I'm not a Buckeyes fan. This literally was the team of which team do I hate the least and which do I want to root for. And honestly, I was kind of going for Notre Dame. And you know what? You proved me at a point to where, yes, you can still hang, but here's the thing. It was 11 points or less on that loss margin. And you know what? That segues to being a Nebraska fan. You have not experienced that fault. You've lost a lot of crucial games, but you have not lost the amount that we have. And here's where that leads to. In Scott Frost's tenure, at the moment, he is 5 of 21 in games that are 7 or less. All Within the last four years, he has had ten loss, or nine losses for 7 points or less. And you know what? Oh, he lost to Northwestern. It was tough. Casey Thompson came in, transferred from Texas. So stoked. So hyped up. We've had 22 transfers come into the University of Nebraska at Lincoln and decide that 11 of them are going to start on the offense and defensive side. You know what happens? We lose to Northwestern in week one in Ireland. Week zero, correction. After I hyped it up, I said this was going to be where we break out. This is where I think we blow out Northwestern. Well, defense decided to throw that game away, and so did Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson had 355 passing yards, by the way, almost 400 passing yards, and we still lose this game. Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, 120 receiving yards for Nebraska. With that being said, we had a crucial couple of, you know, Nebraska-esque losses at the end of that game that really hurt us. So we throw it up to North Dakota. Team starts out slow. Nebraska starts out slow. And here's here's the one thing, though. Scott Frost has decided to literally throw away his offense and just tell his offensive coordinator, he says, here, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take over. I'm just going to focus on coaching. And granted, was it probably on one of those standpoints of athletic director saying, this is what you need to really do? Probably. But Scott Frost decided to say, hey, here we go. 
I'm going to hand this off to my offensive coordinator. I'm going to coach. I'm going to actually try to hopefully win us games. Defensive. Hi, Luce. Are you shaking? Defensive coordinator, Chinander for Nebraska, is good, but at the same time, we need a little bit better tackling. We need guys that are able to hit in the secondary. There were a couple of penalties in the secondary of Nebraska's defense that were questionable on the standpoint of why are you holding this. I would much rather have a 15-yard holding penalty than a completed 30-yard pass that goes for a score within two plays. Here's the part where I absolutely love our offense. I still love Casey Thompson. I love the fact that he is a guy that is able to throw it downfield. He's comfortable in the pocket when he actually gets the time. He made one bad decision this week, which was a pick within North Dakota territory, and they ended up getting a score off of it. But here's also the fact of Thompson is one of the most comfortable quarterbacks that I've seen in Nebraska so far since even Tommy Armstrong, and Armstrong wasn't even comfortable. Adrian Martinez wasn't comfortable. Taylor, Mar- or excuse me, yeah, Adrian Martinez was not comfortable. Who at Kansas State? He won his first game in Kansas State, by the way, this weekend. He had one touchdown on the day. But I think Joe Gans and Zach Lee were the two most comfortable quarterbacks that I've seen in Nebraska history in my life. And Casey Thompson reminds me slightly of them just on the passing aspect. When it comes to offense, Anthony Grant, love him as a running back. Holy crap, can him and A.J. Allen just absolutely blow up a hole and just absolutely mess up a defense. I'm so excited to see what this running back core has. This receiving core and Isaiah Castaneda, Trey Palmer, like, I mean, this is really good. Our defense, I think, can be great. I think that Nebraska could actually do something good this year and at least get bowl eligible. Do I agree with Kirk Herbstreit on the fact that we can win the Big Ten West? Hell freaking no. Do I appreciate his optimism every single day? Because I'm a Nebraska fan, and also I'm a Bronco fan. So with Russell Wilson's seven-year deal, we'll talk about it in a second. I'm excited. But here's also the fact of it. College football is a game of mystery. And college football comes down to the strict fact of what happens in week two. Because everybody has had that week one scare. Everybody's had that week one blowout that was expected. Throwing it up to week two here. We got Friday games. We got uh, Louisville takes on UCF. Boise State takes on New Mexico. The Saturday lineup. Whew. Number 16, Miami takes on Southern Miss. Arkansas, number 19, takes on uh, South Carolina. Wake Forest, number 22, takes on Vanderbilt. That, ha uh, uh, ha. Vanderbilt decided to prove me wrong against Hawaii. So, you know what? I don't know. Utah takes on Southern Utah. Notre Dame takes on Marshall. That could be a good game. Marshall and Notre Dame, rivals on that east side. Clemson takes on Furman. Appalachian, who plays on Monday this week, oddly enough. So they play on Labor Day tomorrow. They got Georgia Tech. Texas A&M takes on Appalachian State, who almost beat North Carolina. And this is the funniest part about it. Appalachian State tried to go for an onside kick. And we're not going to talk about onside kicks as a Nebraska fan because we've lost two in the last two weeks. But... Appalachian State decides to go for an onside kick, and if you haven't seen the video, please do, because it is truly funny. North Carolina's front four absolutely lays out this kick-returning defense for Appalachian State. The kick goes for a touchdown. Watch it, YouTube it, something. It's too funny. It's been all over TikTok the last literally 13 hours. The Pittsburgh Panthers take on Tennessee, and that is at Pittsburgh. Um, Wisconsin takes on Washington State. That should be a good game. Old Crimson and the Washington State Cougars are trying to absolutely disrail Wisconsin. Can they do it? Eh, 
probably not. Wisconsin still one of the best running back producers in the country. Cincinnati has Kennesaw State 23 versus Kennesaw State to be exact. The Georgia Bulldogs take on the Bulldogs of Sanford, number three versus unranked Sanford in the FCS. Michigan State has Akron 15 versus Akron there. Uh, Ole Miss takes on Central Arkansas. Ole Miss ranked 21 on the year. Big SEC matchup this weekend. Number 20, Kentucky takes on Florida. And like I said, I think Florida and Kentucky have that spot to be either hit or miss on whatever side they win on the SEC East. I would love Kentucky just because I'm not a Gator guy. I would love to see how big this dogfight goes. But the Wildcats are ranked at 20. They've got Florida coming up this week. Number nine, Oklahoma has Kent State before the Red River rivalry. Or before Nebraska, excuse me. They've got Nebraska within two weeks now. Nebraska has Georgia Southern this week as they get ready to take on Oklahoma. And this is going to be in Lincoln. So be mindful of that. Number eight, Michigan has Hawaii going down the rest of the list. Number 25, BYU plays host to number 10. Baylor, future Big 12 battle right there. We love to see it. I think Baylor's going to absolutely stomp BYU. I would love to see Baylor do it because I would love to see Baylor continue their run in the Big 12. But you know who I would love to see win more? Is the team that is probably just going to get absolutely curb stomped. I would love nothing more than to see Alabama lose in this rematch. And you all know where I'm going with it now that I just said this for week two. College Game Day is covering it. Big Noon Fox is covering it. Rematch of, I believe it was the 2000, I'm going to go with 9 National Championship. I'm going to just Google this to make sure here. So hold on. College Football National Championship 2009. Wow, I was 100% off. Do not. <laughs> that was Florida. Oh, my goodness. Wow, I was way off. I undercut that. Last time Texas was in national title. Oh, my gosh. This is so bad. I feel so bad. Ten, oh, it was 2010. Okay. I was one year off. One year, ladies and gentlemen. Hold your hold your booze for the end. I was one year off. I was trying to fact check it just to make sure. But a 2010 rematch of Colt McCoy's Texas Longhorns, who are Steve Sarkeesian's Longhorns, former offensive coordinator of Alabama, and Nick Saban. They're squaring off this, this coming week. College game day has got it covered. This game is in Austin. Alabama is looking to absolutely blow Texas out of the water. Texas had Louisiana Monroe this week, which was a horrible, I'm sorry, horrible choice for a tune-up game before you actually get on to Alabama. But here's the thing, though. Like I said, so Nebraska took up 20, 22 transfers, which was a Florida State running back, and Casey Thompson, who was Texas's former quarterback. But they got Texas is a guy by the name of, and the hairstyle just is it's it's a mullet, but it's an interesting mullet. But they got Quinn Hewers, um, or Quinn Hewers, excuse me, Hewers so far on the season against Louisiana Monroe, and you can't say anything about it. But he was 16 of 24, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and one INT versus Louisiana Monroe. He still looked good. 
Texas's offense, they've got Bijan Robinson in the backfield. So as a running back, they've got a good running back core. They've got Sanders on the outside. So Texas, as a Texas fan, I would love to see Alabama just lose. Is it going to happen? Oh, gosh. I would love to see it actually happen. Lucy sneezes. Lucy says, Alabama's got to go down. We know. But we're going to move it into, I believe, what you guys are all here for and what we were expecting was going to come through. For the covert show this week. I know it is not a Pokemon card opening because Nick forgot his Pokemon cards at his own apartment. We're recording this in the middle of Des Moines. The NFL. The NFL is here, ladies and gentlemen. It comes out Thursday, this Thursday, September 8th, and we've got a good game on schedule for you this week. The Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Diggs, take on Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be at SoFi. It's going to be in California. I personally, I mean, coming off the Super Bowl, I think that Cup and Stafford and the Rams are going to be okay. I truly think that Josh Allen and the Bills have this. I think that Josh Allen's year is going to be this year to at least make a Super Bowl appearance for the Bills. Are they going to win it? They lost four straight Super Bowls. I mean, come on. The Bills just do not have the best Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl repertoire, resume, everything. But I think that Josh Allen is going to be the guy this year. So I've got Josh Allen and the Bills taking out the Rams this year. So we've got a – J.C. did send us a text before this. And like I said, he is having phone troubles as we speak. So he is – he also commented it starts Thursday with the Rams and the Bills. We did not get a pick on that so far, but Hexbugs on the up and up. We've got Texas-Alabama for next week for college football. We're going to throw that back before we forget it. we got Texas and Alabama for Hexbug pick-ems on that. Excuse me. I want to go with BYU and Baylor for another college football, and then we'll pick – actually, we're going to pick another big big one here. I've got USC versus Stanford. So three Hexbug pick-ems for next week, college football, Texas-Bama, USC-Stanford, Baylor, BYU. Obviously, we're going to have to try to do a Hexbug pick them this week for Thursday night football, so we'll end up picking the Rams versus the Bills. we got to go with that. That'll get posted on the Instagram reel as well. Taking a look at Sunday's matchup, we got the Saints versus the Falcons. Matt Ryan and the Falcons take on the New Orleans Saints, who, I mean, the, the Saints this year opening up, they're, they're one of those teams where so far in the preseason, they've dropped their, they dropped their first two in the preseason. They beat the Chargers surprisingly. But again, preseason, what are you going to do? I mean, you don't really got much kind of coming there. You got Andy Dalton as a quarterback. You got Jameis Winston there as well. Mark Ingram is your running back, who is also on my fantasy team, so I hope he gets a lot of handoffs. I did not pick it. I auto-drafted. Don't yell at me. But Jameis Winston going to lead that, or I believe Jameis Winston is going to lead that Saints team out, um, if not Andy Dalton will. So I actually think that the Saints are going to do okay in week one. I think that they take out the Atlanta Falcons. We got the San Francisco 49ers. We got the Chicago Bears coming up this week as well. Kind of big matchup on this on the standpoint as Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Where where Jimmy Garoppolo stand? Well, you know what? They got Garoppolo, they got Trey Lance, and they got Brock Purdy. So here's the thing. JC's gonna not like this. Because I think that the 49ers are going to end up beating beating the Bears. 
I think that you take you take a look at the numbers. I just think that the 49ers offensively are a better team. I think the Bears defensively are a better team, though. Um, the spread on it is seven. So the Bears are seven point uh, seven point dogs in this one. Uh, or yeah, seven point dogs. Forgive me. I'm gonna probably get betting wrong, so we're not gonna break that down. Nick does not want to get into betting. Um, I've got the I've got the Niners on that one, so we'll hop back into the NFL here. Big slate of games, like we said, because it's week one. We're excited. I texted my roommate. He goes, dude, the NFL is back. I'm so excited. How do you think Thursday's going to do? I completely right passed it and went all the way till Monday because there's a big game Monday for me as the fan that I am. But we got Pittsburgh. We got Cincinnati. I think that Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to get it done for Cincinnati. I think that Pittsburgh this year, if they want a chance at at least kind of getting to a standpoint of, of fun and just getting to a good point, I think Kenny Pickett's your guy. I think Kenny Pickett, if you can get past the Mitch Trubisky theory, I think if you can actually give Kenny Pickett a couple of snaps and actually let him run an offense a little bit in a big situation game, I think he's going to do just great. He's played at that stadium before. He was the quarterback at Pittsburgh University, so he knows the entire atmosphere of the city. Everybody's going to be behind him. Let him play a couple of home games. Let him open up early. Give him a few snaps. Give him a half. Do something. Let Pickett kind of go outside of that preseason form. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to get it done, though, week one. Philly, the Eagles take on Detroit. That's going to be in Detroit. I've got the Eagles. Jalen Hurts in that offense is just going to absolutely destroy it. I don't think the Lions are going to be able to do it with Jared Goff. Um, it's going to be another disappointing season so far at the moment. We will actually probably break down how these go down or, like, how the divisions go down when JC gets back on next week, hopefully. Um, so we can actually get into to the rankings on that. I think we can still, after week one, I, I would like to think that you guys can give us a little bit of leeway on that. Uh, Pats versus Dolphins coming up this week. Tua Tungavailoa and Tyreek Hill for the first time coming up this season in a, in a good regular season game. I actually like Tua and the Dolphins in this one. I think that Mac Jones is just going to – he's going to fall off a little bit. And I think that – granted, the Patriots' defense is good, but I think Tua and the, the Dolphins are going to be on, the, on one this year. Um I think that because he's got Tyreek Hill, he's got a very big weapon on the outside. I think that the Dolphins line is going to be able to slightly hold that defense. I actually really like the Dolphins, so I think Tua takes down Mac Jones coming up this week. The New York Jets and the Baltimore Ravens we got going there. The New York Jets are without quarterback. Um, oh, my gosh. Where am I? See, and this is where I get so, I get such on a good tangent, everybody. Zach Wilson, good Lord, he was from BYU. He was the quote-unquote, he was the MILF man. I, I don't know where to go from that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Zach Wilson made his made his debut with uh, the whole story that was getting just put on him. But Lamar Jackson and the Ravens coming back once again. I think that the Ravens take this one. The Jets aren't anything special this year. Traded away um, Sam Darnold. The Panthers got him. They ended up starting Baker Mayfield, which is probably expected. And we have that game coming up next. We'll actually talk about that. Carolina, Baker Mayfield. So I got the or I got the Ravens beating the Jets. Carolina. Carolina, Carolina, Carolina. Baker Mayfield hosting the Browns. 
Check that box off your list. That's a win for you week one. Nothing else said. Sam Darnold, like I said, I feel bad for him because he just he literally is one of those quarterbacks that it's like you wish the best for him. He just came into a bad standing on that point. Jacksonville and Washington. I'm going to go Jacksonville. I'm going to go Jacksonville. I like the Jags on this. I like uh, Trevor Lawrence on this. I think that Jacksonville actually might turn it around. The Washington Commanders chose the worst possible name for it, so I don't like you at the moment. The Colts versus the Houston Texans. Texans without Deshaun Watson and the Browns without Deshaun Watson, let alone besides that. But coming into this, Sam Ellinger, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. I have the defense on this. They've got Kyle Allen sitting there at quarterback um, for the Houston Texans, so it's going to be Ellinger versus Allen. I actually have the Colts in this. I think that Sam Ellinger is a guy that the Colts are actually going to be able to build around. I think their defense is good enough to hold, and I think that they, they've got Nick Foles. They've got Matt Ryan now, and I think that I think that the Colts will be able to hold. I got to make sure I should have. So, but yes, I think that the Colts will be be able to hold off this win here and take Houston. Bouncing back through it. Give me two seconds. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We got Tennessee versus New York. This is not going to be a battle here. Tennessee takes New York all day. Tennessee's offense too good. New York's defense not good enough. It's going to be tough as we crack home another hazy IPA to break down the rest of the NFL. The NFC North has a chance to be be huge coming up right now. It's the Lucy no. It's the Packers versus the Vikings in Week One of the NFC North, and here here's the biggest thing about it. Jordan Love so far has been a bust for the Packers. So without Aaron Rodgers, you've got another year here where you can try to do some damage. Granted, will the Packers probably do some damage? Oh, absolutely. But the Vikings are picked to be one of the most interesting teams kind of coming into the NFL. Kirk Cousins is going to be the starting QB on that standpoint. So, I mean, you got Kirk Cousins, you got the Vikings. But, I mean, if you take a look at it, Dalvin Cook is a running back. And then you go through it. You got Thomas Higgins, and then you've got Justin Jefferson. Uh, you got uh, Jalen Naylor. I mean, you got Adam Thielen going down the list. I mean, you have a team that is still good, and you got a team as a defense that is still able to do damage and able to get takeaways. And that's the biggest thing. Can you take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands? I think absolutely. I think you can. But I think in Week One, I think the Packers are going to absolute or are going to be able to still run through it. The Packers week one are shaky, but I think that Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers are still going to be able to get it done. They were a playoff team last year, and they were a very powerful playoff team last year. Did they fall short? Absolutely. But you know what? They fall short a lot of the time. I can't say much because I'm a I'm a Husker fan. I'm a Bronco fan. I'm a Cubs fan. We fall short an awful freaking lot. Now, next game, but like I said, Green Bay, over Minnesota, that's what I got. Kansas City coming in. They've got Arizona in Arizona. Kyler Murray versus Patrick Mahomes in that high-powered Kansas City Chiefs offense and very, very strong defense. I personally think, granted, Kyler Murray is my fantasy quarterback, but I still think Patrick Mahomes 
is going to be that quarterback that gets the Chiefs back to it. I think it will be the Chiefs, and I think it will be the Bills in the Battle of the AFC for the playoff this year. Do the Kansas City Chiefs have one of the toughest quarterback and possibly secondary divisions in the NFL in that AFC West? I absolutely believe that. Because here is also the factor. The Kansas City Chiefs had to deal with the Raiders. They have to deal with the Chargers. They have to deal with the Broncos. And those are three teams in the AFC West that have good defenses. Denver is now armed with a brand new quarterback. You have probably the best quarterbacking league so far in the NFL at the moment when you have Mahomes. You have Justin Herbert for the Chargers. You have Derek Carr for the Raiders. And now you have Russell Wilson with the Broncos. If you take a look at that division, the Chiefs are going to be battling for every game of their life. Every team will, but I think the Chiefs will still probably, for this first year, come out on top in that AFC West. I think they beat Arizona this week. I think Kyler Murray is still going to be a little bit of a struggle, but I think Kyler Murray is going to be a struggle for that Kansas City defense, and that's going to be a blueprint that everybody builds on. But I've got Kansas City taking that win. Throwing it to the Raiders and the Chargers now, I actually am going to go with the Chargers. Taking a look at the Chargers, you still got Justin Herbert there for the AFC West. They finished 9-8 and eight last year. They finished third in the AFC West. Taking a look at just complete opposite of how last year's division went, they ended up losing. They took one of one with the Raiders last year. They won the first match. They lost their second match. But their second match with the Raiders, 35-32. to 32. And that pushed them to 9-8. and eight. I personally think that the or I personally think that the Chargers are still going to win. I think their defense is going to be able to get them a couple of stops. I think that Justin Herbert is going to be able to lead them down the field, and I think Derek Carr is still going to slightly prove that yes, he's a great quarterback, but he's still old. He's got a he's got one more year in him, and like I said, it's going to be a tough division on that side of the spectrum. The AFC West is just going to be tough on the quarterback standpoint. Tampa Bay versus Dallas. I think that Tampa Bay is going to be able to take this Tom Brady over the Cowboys 100%. Broncos versus the Seattle Seahawks. Matchup of Monday night. Also, yeah, sorry, Tampa Bay. (laughs) I got a little sidetracked there. Tampa Bay and Dallas form out your Sunday night matchup at 720 there. So as the game schedules go, your noon o'clock games, Noon o'clock, wow. How many times have I either said that or heard that on a sports podcast? But I just think it's funny. So you have New Orleans versus Atlanta at noon. You have San Francisco versus Chicago at noon. You have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Detroit, New England, Miami, Baltimore, New York, Jacksonville, Washington, Cleveland, Carolina, Indianapolis, and Houston. And that is your noon schedule. Your 325 schedules go New York Gents versus Tennessee, Green Bay versus Minnesota, Kansas City versus Arizona. A lot of Zonas or Odas. And then you got Las Vegas versus Los Angeles. And then to cap off the Sunday night game, Tampa Bay versus Dallas. And then everybody is waiting for the Monday night brawl between the Denver Broncos versus Seattle. Russell Wilson just signed a seven-year full deal with the Denver Broncos to take on his former team, the Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf. At Seattle, week one. How do I feel about this? As a Bronco fan, I actually feel very confident. And I've had I've spoken to a few Bronco fans that feel confident in this. The seven-year choice is not the one thing that they feel really confident about. 
I'm I'm the one that says I think this will be good for us. We may make a Super Bowl two out of four years, or we'll at least consistently be in the playoff without or or two out of seven years. I think we'll be consistently in the playoffs three or four out of those seven years. I think we'll miss it three, and it might be the first three that we haven't. We have a good receiving core, a, uh, an okay receiving core. I shouldn't say good. We got Jared Judy. We got or Sutton's out, but here's the thing. I think that Russell Wilson is going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think that he's going to come in. I think he's going to want to prove something to, to Seattle and say, here's here's what's going on. So I've got a new team. I'm good. We're staying. And he's going to want He wins wherever he's at. He's kept Seattle in the running. He's kept Pete Carroll in the running, who came from USC, came as a college football coach, who had Reggie Bush. Now he And then he came to Seattle. He had Russell Wilson out of Wisconsin for a good amount of time. I think he will be fine in Denver. It's just a matter of the front office can keep it strict. But I've got Denver winning Seattle in that game as well. So we'll go back through. We'll pick the hex bugs. We'll pick the rankings. I'll try to help JC out for that week. But otherwise, I mean, I got I got nothing much. So there's your Monday night schedule. There's your college football breakdown. There's your NFL breakdown. We'll give you a quick look at the MLB really, 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 really fast. So, because this dog down below me thinks that she needs to go to the bathroom, which I think she's okay. <laughs> I let her out before the show. Everybody's going to be like, oh, you monster. I'm going to be like, oh, no, it's okay. So taking a look at the American League East, The New York Yankees, 80-54. and 54. They're four of six of their last ten. Their lead has steadily, steadily, steadily declined. They have a five-game lead on the Rays. The Blue Jays are now closing in on that six-game lead. Or they're six games back. The Orioles, taking a look at the wild card. Oh, my goodness. The Orioles have closed the gap immensely. The Seattle Mariners are now a game and a half up. The Rays are only a game up. The Blue Jays are now even. The Baltimore Orioles are sitting at two and a half games back. They are closing it out. They lost one game earlier this week. That's okay. The Orioles are two and a half games up. Or two and a half games back on the wild card. The Twins are now five games back. And the Red Sox and the White Sox. The White Sox are now seven games back. Red Sox are seven and a half. That should be interesting to see how the rest of the season closes out. Like I said, we're going to do this quick. So, because the NFL was the biggest thing that we wanted to talk about, kind of closing in, I still think that cutoff is that White Sox gap. So, taking a look now at the standings for the American League Central. The Guardians are up. They're a half a game up on the Minnesota Twins, who are still slightly closing. So, if they ended up taking a win, the Minnesota Twins at the moment, oh, excuse me, They've had the White Sox. They now have a series with the Yankees. They ended up dropping two of three to the White Sox, which there was a play with Abreu that happened where he almost got hit in the hand, and everybody, my roommate specifically, was like, they're cheaters because it almost hit him in the hand. Well, it got called back. They ended up getting a walk-off single on a double play that was safe. So there was that. So the Twins ended up taking the game away from, or the White Sox took the game away from the Twins. So now they're two and a half back in the Central. In the West, the Astros still hold that. The Seattle Mariners are ten and a half games back. And they're still at a hold of the wild card. 
Taking a look now at the National League, the New York Mets still are holding on that second spot in the National League. They're a game up on the Atlanta Braves who hold that NL wild card there. I believe, let me take a look just to make sure everybody doesn't fact check me. Yes, the Atlanta Braves, they're 10 games up on the wild card. That does not look like it's going to fall short. Padres are half a game up on that wild card standpoint. So as the NL or as the NL East sits, it's the Mets, it's the Braves, it's the Phillies. So the Braves are only one game back though. So they're swapping. They're swapping back and forth. So whoever takes that takes the 10 game lead. In the NL Central, the Cardinals and the Brewers, the Cubs are still slightly hopping back there, but they're 23 games back. Pittsburgh Pirates are a whopping 29 and a half games back. Is there anybody? Nope, the Oakland A's still 36 and a half games back. So, Los Angeles Dodgers still have that 18-game lead on the Padres. They are holding that NL West and the National League strong. Also, they're holding the best record in baseball strong. They are fully 100% in the standing of the full entire um, MLB. If my laptop would stop deciding to lag on me here. Dodgers are 91 and 41. They have a full league on the National League. They have seven and a half games up. The Astros are now the sole leader in the American League. They have a six-game, six-game hold, as the Yankees have just been absolute doggy water. And I will say they've been dog water coming in from the from the All-Star break there. As they're four of their last six, they've been that way since that All-Star break. They are now six games back from the Astros. With that being said, it was a short MLB standpoint. And we are excited to bring this to you. We've got the NFL coming up this week, college football week two coming up this week. And we would like to give you a shout out to our social media. So if you have any questions or anything that you want to hit us with, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, at The Covert Show, go to TikTok, send us your comments, send us your questions, send us what games you think we need to be talking about, send us what games you think the hex bugs need to be talking about. I mean, We've got a full slate of games for you there. Also, send us whatever music bands are going on with you at whatever concerts. Give us your posts. Give us your shout-outs, everything like that. We've got JC coming back next week. Hopefully, if we can get that schedule nailed down, which I know we will. We are both sitting in hectic schedules coming up because I've got my hunting business that I'm coming up with that is going to be an absolute cluster to work with. But, no, we, we are still doing good. Hopefully, we can get JC on for next week to give us our full NFL standpoints. And if not, we'll post reels. We'll post reels. We'll post stories on everything that we can, and we'll get everything to it. So, that was your NFL breakdown. That was your college breakdown, and we give you a little bit of an MLB. We're going to keep it short and simple this week. We've got an hour coming up, but we hope you guys enjoyed. We always love doing this for you guys. We always love cracking open a cold one with the boys, tipping it back, and enjoying what we got. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the Covert Show. This has been Nick Henrik saying so long, and enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Peace out.